Welcome to the newest edition of the Screenfellows Podcast. My name is Carlos. And I'm Ozzy. In this episode, we'll be reviewing Annabelle Creation and The Glass Castle, as well as discussing this week's episode of Game of Thrones. Enjoy the show. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. How you doing, man? I am doing pretty good, man. How you doing? <laughs> All right. Um, just a little overwhelmed just because of everything that's going on, but it's going pretty well. Um, if you have, if you can't notice by the quality, especially in Ozzy's voice, we're doing Skype again because I am back in Virginia. So bear with us as we deal with some of the technical kind of kinks in the system right now, but we're trying to get readjusted to doing this over Skype. Um, but it is what it is, and we're going to move on and have a good show. Maybe. Maybe. I'm thinking about it, Carlos. <laughs> uh, but yeah, sorry for no episode on Saturday, but hey, like I said, it is what it is. We had a lot going on, especially me. Um, and you got a new job, so there's that. And I moved, I moved back to Virginia, so we're all kind of all over the place right now. Yeah, man. It's been, <laughs> it's been a hell of a ride. Yes. A hell of a time. It's been crazy. <laughs> all right. Well, <laughs> I'm sure you enjoyed your weekend with watching Annabelle Creation. Did you find somebody to go with you? I know you don't like going to horror movies yes. by yourself. Yes, I did find somebody to go with me. We were both scared <laughs> as hell, but that's fine. That's, that's the whole point of having somebody to go with you. <laughs> well, that's Bring good. somebody who's just as scared as you. That's good. That's good. It's great. Uh-huh. I don't. I'm not a big fan of horror. Yeah, people know this. Yeah, it, I don't know. I, I, you know, I'm a fan of horror, so it, it was nice to um, go and see this. I, especially with the surprise of it being like good, you know. Um, well, I guess. Yeah. We're, well, we can talk about that now. Um, Ozzy, what were your overall thoughts on Annabelle Creation? Well, Annabelle Creation is directed by F. David F. Sandberg, and director of Lights I Out. Yeah, uh, pretty, pretty good. I didn't see the first Annabelle, Me either. but this is apparently a huge step up from that. So good job, David F. Sandberg. <laughs> Proud of you. Um, I do like the sort of the origin that really goes into it. Mm-hmm. And I do like the mythology behind the doll. Um, I think the cast is ultimately great. You got Anthony LaPog. La Paglia, who, um, for those of you guys who don't know where you've seen him, he was in the show Without a Trace. Uh, he was Jack Malone. Um, and then you had, um, you also had a, a bit of a cameo from Miranda Otto. You had Lulu Wilson, who played Linda. For those of you guys who don't know where she's from, she's actually, she was actually in, uh, oh, we, what was that? Orgy. We- Ouija. Oh, Ouija. I don't know why that came out. It's, it's a weird, <laughs> it's a weird name. Wait, Ouija. Ouija. Oh, is that the sec- the second one or the first one? Because there were two. Second right? one. That's yeah, the yeah. second one yeah. that we saw actually. Yeah. And then uh, Talitha Bateman and Stephanie Sigmund. Mm-hmm. Uh, they all star in the movie. I think they all did pretty good for their parts. Um, I think the two girls, Janice and Linda, um, these characters had great chemistry. You can tell that they cared for one another. 
Um, you could also tell that Stephanie Sigmund, who played Sister uh, Charlotte, she was also very caring towards the children as well. Uh, she just wanted to do what was right by the children. So you could all tell that they all had really great chemistry with one another. Mm-hmm. You cared for the family, I mean, for the orphans. Uh, well, most of the orphans, some of them were douchey. <laughs> <laughs> but they were but good at being overall, douchey. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, she was good. She was good. Most of them. Um, I will agree with you on the performances for the most part. I mean, that's not somewhere where you're going to fault this movie for the most part. I didn't love... Well, I'm, I might just not be a fan of her as a young actress as Lulu Wilson. Um, she kind of just... Everything's really obvious with her. She's she's in Ouija too, I believe, right? Yeah, she's yes. the... I, she's I, the main girl. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't love her in the movie. I thought um, the girl who played Janice... What's her name? Tathia, something like that. Um, she she was really good. I kind of the movie kind of switches perspectives between from J- the girl who plays Janice and then um, what's the other girl's name? Linda. Uh, there's two main girls. I mean, obviously there's all orphans, but then there's two of them that we kind of follow, and it switches perspectives about halfway through the movie. It's like, oh, we were following Linda, but now we're following Janice, or maybe it's the other way around. I think it's, it's the, the other way around. around. Yeah. And I didn't love that because I was like, oh, she's the, the other one's a better actress. But whatever. It was it was fine. Um, like I said, the performances aren't really the issue in an issue in this movie. Um, and the biggest thing, I guess I would say is, man, you see, because when you see comedies, right, you say the biggest thing and the most important thing is if you laughed. <laughs> and I think that's a fair bar for comedies to reach. With horror, I think it needs to be a similar bar. Is were you scared? And I can, I can say yes. There were definitely times in this movie where this movie scared me. And it's not just your traditional jump scares. David F. Sandberg is a, he's at this point we can say he's an excellent director. I mean, with Lights Out and then this, I would say this is the better movie than Lights Out. Um, he he really knows how to ratchet up the tension and kind of get you on the edge of your seat and be like, oh my gosh, what is going on? I'm terrified for these people and I'm terrified myself. There are some truly frightening scenes in this movie, like really on the edge of your seat type stuff. And it's just so well done and so well directed. That That's the most impressive part of the movie. Yeah, man. I mean, he really did uh, execute all the horror parts of the film really well. Um, when when it's, he really knows how to build tension, mm-hmm. especially with the music, really going in there as well, really helping build that tension. I thought those those moments were really done really well, especially in the third act. Yeah. Um, the third act was the most intense, clearly, mm-hmm. and I really like how he cut it up because you're having three different perspectives of of what's going on. So it was really, really cool to see that, really nice to see that, um, how we're getting three different aspects of what the heck's going on. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, man, I really, I really did enjoy this movie for what it was. Would I go see it again? No. But I just, I just, I'm, not, I'm not a horror fan, but yeah, it's just I will thing. say that he, yeah, but I will say it was a really good horror film, and I, I recommend that people see it this weekend. All right. Um, what negatives do you have, though? Negatives I have was, um, I, I, I felt like um, I felt like we just we could have gotten 
we could have gotten a little bit more of a uh, of a uh, Miranda Otto's character, mm-hmm. uh, Esther Mullins. I wish we would have gotten a little bit more of her. Um, I just thought she was a really. I thought. I mean, I thought I would have liked to get her perspective mm-hmm. on things because sometimes the, her husband was kind of short. I didn't. I didn't necessarily hate his performance or anything like that. I mean, I think he did overall a pretty good job. But I just think Miranda Otto probably would have done a better job kind of executing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this kind of leads into what is my problem with this movie. And it's the fact that the movie's called Annabelle Creation. So I was assuming it was going to be mainly an Annabelle origin story. But really, this is the story after the origin story. Like, we get flashbacks to the actual origin story of Annabelle. But for the most part, this is the story that takes place like 12 years after the origin story. And I just, and we don't get that until like an hour into the movie. We don't actually get the origin story until like an hour into the movie for the most part. Um, And I was sitting there, I'm like, okay, yeah, this is scary, but I don't know why any of this is happening. I don't know why this doll is possessed or whatever it is. I don't know why this doll is trying to get these people. And... You got me into the movie hoping that we would find out about it, and I'm still sitting here wondering. So that's my problem is we didn't get... I I wish that the actual story was a little bit more streamlined, but that doesn't take away from what the movie does well. It's still scary as heck, but... It, I just wish it was the story was a little bit more streamlined so that I would actually be able to know and understand what and why ev- everything is happening, you know? I completely agree with you there. And a lot of that also goes into what you were saying with the mom is kind of... She's not in the picture for the majority of this movie. And we kind of know why, but don't really know why until like the last 10, 20 minutes of the movie. And, you know, that's fine. It's okay to have a reveal like that to build up, but it didn't really work. Like, I feel like it was supposed to be this mystery of, like, oh, my gosh, what's going on with the mom? But I just was sitting there, like, all right, let's get to that. Like, why are we here? (laughs) I I was sitting there wondering, like, why are we here for the majority of the movie? Although it was still scary, I was still wondering, like, why are we here? And I feel like we didn't get those answers fast enough. I just wish that the story was a little bit more straightforward. That's all. Yeah, and on top of that, there's some random things that go on for, like, I mean, I was uh, confused because I was like, I mean, that happened really fast. Yeah. Because there was someone just there, and now this looks like a completely different picture. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, there was stuff like that that kind of threw me off. Yeah. Um, Grace Fulton's character, she played Carol, the girl, the, the oldest one. Uh-huh. I really didn't like her character, <laughs> but the actress did great. Yeah. <laughs> I just didn't like her character. She was a douche, but... Um, that was that's mainly it for me. I mean, yeah. the the movie's overall pretty good, pretty good scary movie. Hopefully, it's better than. Um, I mean, hopefully this this sticks out for all those horror fans that are gonna do top ten horror films of twenty seventeen. I mean, so yeah, I I would definitely say it's up there right now. I don't know, we haven't really had too too many good ones, have we? I'm trying to think. What do we have this year? I mean, we had it comes at night, but yeah. So, I I actually think this is a great horror movie. I really do. I think this movie gives me... I tweeted this out, actually. This movie gives me faith in this whole Conjuring cinematic universe thing that they're trying to put together. Um, Because, obviously, we've had Conjuring and Conjuring 2, and then Annabelle wasn't well-received, and then you get Annabelle Creation, which is like, 
okay, as long as they get talented and good directors, maybe they can make this thing work. And it kind of made me look forward to The Nun. Um, there is just, if you end up going to see this movie, there are two post credit scenes, just so you know. Um, I didn't even know about them. Like, I went with a friend and he was like, oh yeah, there's two post credits. And I was like, okay. So <laughs> we stayed for that. They're not, nothing huge. It's just little Easter egg type teases for the next movies or whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I think this movie is a great horror movie and it is, I'll say this right now and we can get into it a little bit if you want. This is a better movie than Lights Out and it is a better movie than The Conjuring 2. I might be in the minority with that second part, but I think it's a better movie than The Conjuring 2. Um, all right. You want to uh, rate this movie? I disagree, I disagree with you. Yeah, fair enough. I, I figured you would. I know you ended up liking that movie more than I did. Yeah. Which the is relationship strange. Between, yeah, I mean, the relationship between Ed and, and Warren, I mean, Ed and uh, Lorraine was just, is one of the best parts in that movie. And it's, I mean, it's I agree, really, yeah. But. It, it was, it was uh, really good. And you can definitely see the... I think the actress really, she really did a, an amazing job. The actress's name slips my mind right now, but she really does an, an amazing job. So yeah. I will say Conjuring 2 over Annabelle Creation. So would you I just go, cared for the characters better. Okay, so would you go, what, Conjuring, Conjuring 2, Annabelle Creation? Yeah. Um, yeah, so I would go Conjuring, Annabelle Creation, and then Conjuring 2. But fair enough. Um, either way, they're all good movies. I think we will say that. All right, but what do you want to rate this movie, Ozzy? I'll give this movie a uh, 7.5. All right. I am going to give this movie an 8.08. So, all right. Well, let's move on to another movie that we saw this weekend that probably not many people saw. And that's fair enough because it's a smaller movie, but The Glass Castle. Ozzy, what did you think of The Glass Castle? Man, I really, really enjoyed this movie. Really enjoyed this movie. Um, I thought it was a really great story. Um, I think, I think Woody Harrelson might get nominated because he, I think he gave an amazing performance. He's definitely a standout. Um, Naomi Watts is another one that I believe might get nominated. I mean, they, I mean, everybody in this cast did an amazing job. Oh yeah. So the, yeah, I mean, this is an amazing, an amazing cast. I mean, even Schmidt, Schmidt did pretty good for what he was in. <laughs> <laughs> Let me pull up the actor's name for you guys who don't know who Smick, who Schmidt is. Max Greenfield, those for you guys who don't watch New Girl. <laughs> um But yeah, I mean I think I think everybody did a, did a did basically an amazing job in this movie. Did a did a really good job in this movie. Yes. I I will admit I am pretty divided. Like I'm I'm of two minds on this movie. There's part of me that loves this movie and there's part of me that really, really doesn't. <laughs> Uh, I'm really divided on this movie, but there's one thing that we will definitely agree with, and I think anybody who watches this movie will agree with this. I doubt you'll find anybody saying otherwise. The cast is amazing. I mean, you you nailed it on the head. Brie Larson obviously is magnificent. There's and there's a scene late in this movie where I really didn't care because I don't think it was well executed, but I cared because Brie Larson cared. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was like, you are pulling this scene up, so I care about what is happening right now. Um, and then Woody Harrelson, like you said, is amazing. Uh, I'm trying to think. Who else? Naomi Watts, obviously. I, there are tons of people who, if this movie came out later in the year, I could totally see them getting nominated. I think it's in a weird position because it's at the end of the summer, and it's not being 
universally well received although there are it's mixed i would say but uh, man it's i'm so divided on this movie because i love the cast you're so right the cast is magnificent but I, I, I don't know um i will say that this movie does one thing really really well and that is that it makes you feel like so much anger towards these parents. <laughs> Woody Harrelson is a horrible father in this movie. <laughs> he really is. Yeah, uh, I mean, what I took away from it was basically like, I mean, look, and and this is what I think uh, the struggle was with these kids is, you know, you clearly can tell that Woody Harrelson cares for these kids. Yes. For his kids. Um, he just goes about it in the complete wrong way. And he's a very flawed person. Yeah, he's a very both of these both of these parents are very yes. flawed parents. Um, you can tell that they clearly care for their kids, mm-hmm. but the problem is is that they just go about it in the complete wrong direction. Yeah, um, and it's really interesting to see because you know they they want their kids to be together, they want to be a family. Mm-hmm. That's what they fight for, but. It, it doesn't work out because of their because of their personal demons, and it's really interesting to see that, and it's really interesting to see um, these actors really exchange dialogue. It was really interesting, you know. Brie Larson has held her own against Woody Harrelson and Naomi Watts, and I thought I thought she did a fantastic job. Yeah, another reason. If you want to see this to, for another reason to be excited about her as Captain Marvel, then go see it because she is amazing in this movie. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think those are my biggest positives is that it, it has definitely has the goal of making you feel a certain way towards these parents. And it accomplishes that for the most part. I think that there's also another feeling that they want you to feel towards these parents that I didn't. And that was one of the problems, but, and then the cast is then amazing. Those are my biggest positives for this movie. Yeah. Um, I did like the story. I think the story was, um, I, I really did like the story. Yes. Um, really it's a very nuanced story too. Yeah. A very interesting story. Um, uh, you know, I know, and I know we keep repeating the same thing, but Woody Harrelson is a force <laughs> of nature in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's done great. I mean, he's done great though. He's done great. I mean, he was in war, the plan, the apes, and now he's in this. I mean, he does, he's done a great job. Uh, as long as, as, as long as we're talking performances here, we're talking, I think he did a pretty good job. Yeah. It's funny because people talk about um, McConaughey making a comeback and it's the McConaissance and everything. And it kind of started or not started, but was capped. And like it's the poster child is True Detective season one. And his co-star in that mo- in that show was Woody Harrelson. And Woody Harrelson, if you just look in the last couple of years, Woody Harrelson has been really, really good in the last couple of years. He's made almost a bigger kind of. He's had almost a bigger kind of surge than Matthew McConaughey, who is praised. I mean, I know McConaughey got the Oscar, so that's kind of what it is. But I just I think if you look at Harrelson's filmography in the last couple of years, it is pretty impressive. Yeah, 100 percent, man. Yeah, 100 percent agree. Um, But yeah, I I think a lot of even some of the kid actors, we should talk about them. Even some of them were really good. I didn't think there was anybody who really stood out in a negative way. Um when it comes to the kid, the child acting. And then I, I agree with you with the story. I think it, it's a very complex kind of thing because yes, you do want the audience to feel all these different things. So you have to decide how you're going to show it. And I think that they 
approached it the correct way ultimately where they kind of showed um the their history and flashbacks and stuff like that their childhood and flashbacks and i think that ended up working for the most part i think it was the right idea i don't know if it 100 percent worked in the end but for the most part i think it was the right idea so um do you want to move on to negatives or you got anything else um i will say i like the script of the movie again it had a really great dialogue i think the i think this is a really great script Mm -hmm. might be one of my favorite scripts but i mean i really did like the script this year um, I did like the sets that they used. I think the production and the set pieces were, were really done, uh, really well executed. And the costuming, I think it was really great costumes for the movie. So, yeah, that's, that's all I got to say. All right. Um, well, let's talk about some negatives. And I guess I will start since I seem to be the one who doesn't like this movie as much as you, which is fine. Um, I... I feel like the entire movie, and let me let me get this right off the bat. This is not a happy movie, really, by any stretch of the. Um, I feel like the entire movie they're they're repeatedly showing you, he is a not a good father. <laughs> he is doing horrible things. He's a drunk. He's all these different things. Uh, this is a horrible situation. They're not learning. They're not being fed. That one of them is eating butter at one point. Like they're they're. This is not a good situation. The entire movie is like that for the most part. And I just feel like in the last 10, 20 minutes, all of a sudden they switch and they start showing a couple of, a couple of moments that were happy quote unquote moments. And then all of a sudden I'm supposed to feel like, you know what? He was a good dad and it didn't work for me. I was sitting there. I was like, no, he was still a horrible father and you have no reason to be a, like, I'm, I'm like thinking in my, to myself, I'm like yelling at Brie Larson in my head. You have no reason to be apologizing to this man. He was a horrible father. I don't I, think she necessarily apologized. I, I know. I, it just, she, it just didn't work like for the, me. I was sitting there. And there I was was some, like, yeah. they, I wouldn't say there was necessarily all negative moments throughout the movie. I mean, you did see some good moments through the, the you saw some good moments sprouted throughout the film, but there were mostly negative, and it was meant for you to basically say, okay, like I I couldn't live with him. I tried. This is how he treated me. It was meant for you to see what she had gone through with her siblings. Yeah, and then in the end, it was meant for you to go. It was meant for us to kind of be like, okay, like he wasn't the greatest father. Clearly, he wasn't. Clearly, he didn't know how to parent us. But he was there at the end of the day, maybe not in the best way, but he was there. And I am the one I am because of him. So it was it was basically kind of finding like a new profound respect for her father in a way. But but that's my problem. I didn't respect him. And the end did not get me to respect him. And that might just be my personal like and this is why No, and it's not it's not your personal I mean it's I mean you can clearly see if you're going to Rotten Tomatoes it's it's really divided. I mean you have the Netflix user score at like seventy something and you have the and then you have the critic score and the bottom, I think it's like forty. Last time I checked, it was like at forty-eight percent. So I mean, and even critics are clearly divided as well. I mean, yeah. You only have forty-eight percent critics saying that it's it's decent. So I mean, again, I mean, it was because um, I I even found a problem with it for how like, just how a little bit it was executed just in that one particular scene mm-hmm. where she it was executed. I found it just how I thought it was going to be like this happy thing or something where she was like, "I'm so sorry, Dad." Da-da-da-da. Thank God it wasn't like that because that would have toned me out of the movie just a little yeah. bit more. 
I'll agree with you, sort of on the execution in the in the in the execution in the beginning of the uh, beginning of the scene, where she just starts talking about her dad and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just didn't like. I just thought that was pretty random because after she had just she just had this all this built up anger towards him, and then that was fine. Yeah, I was thinking something would something yeah. would have happened for her to really say, okay, mm-hmm. you know what? Let me go see him. Yeah, see, because for me the. There is a moment in this movie where all of this sort of built up anger towards him, rightful anger in my opinion, um, kind of is unleashed. And I was, that was to me, that was the climax of the movie. And then everything else after that is kind of like, you're betraying the client. It, to me, it felt like that. I know that there's definitely people, you obviously included, who's going to appreciate the end of this movie. And that's, that's fine. Good for you. I'm happy that you appreciated it. But for me, I just feel like the end of the movie betrays that huge climactic moment of, yes, tell your father everything you've been thinking. And uh, I don't know. It just didn't work for me. And that's why I came away and I got back and my roommate was like, how's the movie? And I was like, I have no idea. <laughs> like, I I liked parts of it. And then it was really depressing. But then at the end, they kind of were like, oh, no, it's OK. And it just didn't work for me. It um, wasn't that it's okay. I, I mean, know, but it's not. Yeah. I mean, even even he even admitted it to himself. Yeah. He's like, I was a crap father. I'm sorry. And she ends up forgiving him. I mean, she's just like, it's the like, you know, it's whatever happened is in the past. Like, it's whatever. And it's I liked it because for me, it was like she forgave him. And he even acknowledged to himself as a character, I wasn't the best that I could have been. You know what I mean? And he's never apologized from what we saw in the film yeah. he's never apologized he's always right so i really like that for his character as well it was basically mm-hmm. a realization of that character really saying you know what i messed up yeah so i really like i really like that scene with with uh brie larson and woody harrison yeah. having that last bit of dialogue there i don't know it, it, it's i i guess i it's just i don't know <laughs> I, i'm so divided on like i will say i will say I'm that so like divided. the beginning the beginning execution of the scene where she yeah. was like, that was like, oh, no. Like, yeah. Kinda, um, like, what did you think about, because obviously throughout the movie, like we've said, they're, they're showing that this is a horrible situation and no person should have to live like this. No child should have to live like this. Um, but there are times where they do show it in kind of like a, oh, but this is fun light. And do, do you think, how did you think about, or what did you think about how that was all executed? I, I actually ended up not minding that, even though it is depressing as hell. Um, I actually did um, kind of appreciate it because it was kind of through the eyes of the kids. And kids can totally pass this off as, oh, this is fun, even though it's obviously a horrible situation. I mean, I thought it was, I thought, I mean, wait, what were you talking about again? I'm sorry, like, what was the question? Sorry, uh, just the, how some of the horrible situations that they were in were kind of played through kind of a fun light, like them, you know, randomly stopping in the middle of the desert and sleeping out there. And it was kind of like, in the end, it was kind of like a fun, funny thing. But well, what I liked about this movie was that it kind of had like a Captain Fantastic-esque kind That of is a it. comparison I was going to and... make, yes. And I, like that's the thing that really didn't bother me. For those of you guys yeah. who've seen Captain Fantastic, I mean, you've seen these kids camp out in the wild, and this is just something that the kids are used to. Mm-hmm. This is something that kids enjoy, and I think that I found that scene kind of beautiful. I really didn't, I really didn't mind it. It was, it was a father. I mean, everybody parents differently. Do I agree with how Woody Harrelson's character 
like uh, raise his kid? No, clearly not. But I think that was fine for them to basic for him to say like this is. I mean, and you see it in the trailer mm-hmm. where he was just like, "This is like this is school. Like this is school as you guys actually living it." And I really did like that scene. I appreciated that scene. I, I yeah. didn't necessarily find a problem for that. Scene. Um, I guess to me the difference, and I, I, I mean, I think you would. Pro- I would think you would agree with me is that this is or Captain Fantastic is clearly a better movie than that uh, than this. Um, yes. And to me, the difference is when I came out of Cla- Captain Fantastic, I was like, I was divided, but it was in a different way. It was like, yeah, there were definitely some things that should not have been happening. Like he clearly needs to do some things different when it comes to his parenting. But at the same time, he is the parent, so he should be able to raise his kids how he wants. And I was really divided on how I felt about what he was doing. For me, this is a more serious version of Captain Fantastic. So I was not divided on what he was doing as the parent. I was like, no, he is not a good father. I was solely against him. So I don't know. I I don't know what it was about how they executed it, but I just... For me, that was my response. It wasn't like, oh, you know, he is their father, so he should be able to raise his kids how he wants. It wasn't like that to me. It was like, no, this dude needs to not be raising these kids. But I guess, I don't know. I I don't know what it was about how it was executed that made me feel that way, but... I mean, I think I think we can all agree that he shouldn't have raised his kids. <laughs> yeah, that we can all agree on. Yeah, I'm not gonna disagree with you on that. Yeah, what I'll say is like you do see some moments where he cares for his kids. Yeah, I agree. Where he so. does teach them. Where he does have good quotes in the movie. Like yeah. he does have good points in the movie. Does he execute those points well? Of course not. Yeah, but you do see that he's basically trying to teach his kids something. Is mm-hmm. it again? Is it done the right way? Hell no. Hell no, I'm not going to let my kid drown in a freaking pool and think that she's swimming. This is, no, you don't do that. <laughs> but one of the things he said was, yeah. I can't let you cling to the side your whole life. You need to swim. You need to learn how to swim on your own. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be here forever. You can't cling to the sidelines for the rest of your life. That's a great point. Would I, by saying that my daughter drown? No, clearly she needs to learn. I need to help her. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that's I mean, at the end of the day, I did like the movie. I did appreciate the story. I think the story was a really unique story. Uh, very original film. We haven't gotten a story like this since, again, Captain Fantastic, but it, a little bit different. It did have that Captain-esque, Captain Fantastic, Captain Fantastic-esque kind of feel to it. Captain Fantastic was a better film. I think that if you watch Captain Fantastic and you go watching this, I feel like you're probably going to enjoy this. Um, not as much, but you still are going to enjoy this. I mean, this is basically, uh, you know, just... Another another movie that's saying parent all like you know parenting isn't isn't always perfect and it, it goes into a little bit deeper deeper than that because clearly his parenting was far from perfect. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, I I personally enjoy this film. Um, I'm probably gonna give it a seven point nine. All right, I uh, man, I don't I can't give this movie a full on recommendation, but. I will give it a quote unquote fresh score if we were on Rotten Tomatoes because for for the sole reason of the performances are outstanding. Um, if you want to see this movie, see it for the brilliance of the actors in the movie. And that's why I will give it a six out of ten. Six right. out of ten? Yep. Hmm. So alright, I guess we will move on to Game of Thrones. 
Um, alright, so this is your official spoiler warning for last episode of Game of Thrones called... It was called Eastwatch, correct? Yeah. Alright, so we are going to be talking about Eastwatch, um, Game of Thrones Season 7, Episode 4, I believe. Um, so, if you have not seen it, you might want to check out and then rejoin us once you've watched the episode. But, we're going to talk about it. Ozzy, what did you think of this episode? I really, really, really enjoyed this episode. Carlos, if you do not at this point see that Daenerys wants to get with Jon, my friend, you are just ignorant. I didn't, I don't disagree with you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying, because you've been holding off for four episodes. I'm just like, Carlos, she wants it. You're just like, "Ah, no. I'm just like, Carlos, she... I, I, I don't know where this <laughs> I don't know where this stubbornness is coming from, but no, because you shake your head, you're just like, no, there's no way. I mean, it's, like, no, for me, yes. it's always been like it's still gonna be a little weird, but there's no denying after the cave scene that she does. But anyway, um, the, I I'm this is gonna be maybe an unpopular opinion. I don't. This is the first episode of the season that I'm not a fan of. I was overall not a fan of this episode of Game of Thrones. Um, to me, this is the first time in a long time, if ever, that I could feel the writer's direct impact, 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 excuse me, on the episode and on where the show is going. Um, we, we'll get into location by location, but the whole the the whole planning of like okay so what are we gonna do we have this whole they're marching on Eastwatch situation Daenerys is still trying to fight this war to me it didn't make any sense the plan they come up with it's like oh we got to convince Cersei what on what level do you ever think that is gonna work to me that plan doesn't make any sense whatsoever especially with Tyrion standing in the room he should know this is never gonna work um. And it just didn't make any sense. It, to me, it was clearly they wanted to give Tyrion a reason to go to King's Landing. So they were like, okay, well, let's go and have him have to talk to Jamie so that they can do this. And, and for obvious reason, they wanted to go to King's Landing. Um, and then we also wanted to get John to go back south with all the north. Or, yeah, back north with all these people. And it's just like, okay, you basically are telling me you wanted to get from point A to point B. And you kind of just were like, okay, this is the reason. And I don't buy that reason. I'm sorry. And this kind of leads into this. I, I wasn't as against Jamie not dying in the last episode as some people were. I thought, okay, you know, it kind of worked. Jamie is an important character. But now I sit back and I look at some of this stuff at, at this season. Who has died? Nobody has really died. This is freaking Game of Thrones. Kill some people. I need to feel the stakes. Right now, I feel zero stakes. Uh, Elena died. I know, Dorn, but... Like, the Dorn's daughter died. Well, the Sand Snakes basically yeah, died. Yeah, but who, who really um, cares about the Sand Snakes? Nobody cared about the Dorn stuff anyway from Season 5. That was the weakest part of Season 5. So to kill them really didn't do anything for me. I, I, I don't know. I just don't feel the stakes right now. And I, I think the... I don't know. It's just, I wasn't a fan of this episode. And it's not because most people, when they say, oh, that was a, I didn't really like that episode. It's because they, there was no action. And you know me, that is not the problem with me. It is not the fact that there was no action. It is just, I feel the writers in this show right now and I need them to stop. Calm down. 
make the make characters do things that make sense because right now it doesn't and make me have feel like there's stakes i think it kind of makes sense on what level jamie i mean convincing cersei are you serious like that's your plan right now seriously look i'm not saying that it's the best plan what i'm (laughs) saying is i'm not saying it's the best plan (laughs) what i'm saying is they need to buy time for the north like they and they know it's like they, they haven't seen anything that's going on. They, they haven't seen the White Walkers. They don't know about anything about the White Walkers. But they they, they see that John is very serious. John is leaving for crying out loud because he's like, I can't sit here. I can't anymore. We can't. Like, I need to go. And he goes, it's either you're coming with me or you're not. And Daenerys says, I can't because I'm at a war. And he's just like, all right, and I guess I'm going by myself. So, like, let's go. And, like, one of the they're, what they're trying to do is because – Basically, they're trying to satisfy both sides. They're trying to satisfy Daenerys' side, which is she does not want to lose Dragonstone, and she still wants to have her her base of arms and Dragonstone, and Cersei still wants to keep King's Landing. So, I don't know. I thought it was not the best plan, but, I mean, it's a plan in action. It's a plan in works. She controls the Lannister forces for whatever the hell she can, and she also has the Iron Bank at her back, which they have their own men. They need as much men as they can without without killing any more. You know what I mean? Like the, the the main battle right now is the biggest battle that we need to see is in the north. And the more men that they have, the better off that they are at having a chance at stopping it. So I think that's why they ultimately decided, okay, let's try to bring Cersei along. If it works, great. If it doesn't, we're screwed. At least we gave it a shot. I don't know. It just to me, it doesn't work. I I would have much and, rather. And Jamie, and Jamie, and 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 Tyrion said, "Look, she may not listen to any of us, but she might listen to Jamie." And he has a right. He does. He does. He does. Um, have a point. You know. Yeah. They don't but, listen I don't to. Know. I I just feel like this whole plan is really convoluted. It's like there's so many different steps. It's like, okay, we need to get Jamie to agree to help us show Cersei the dead thing. Then we need to go get a dead thing and bring it back to Cersei to show her. And then maybe she'll decide. It's like there's so many different complications and so many different variables and ifs and buts. And what if this happens? What if this? It's like this is such a complex plan that doesn't really make much sense because at the end of it let's say she agrees right and that they everybody goes north to fight right we're just gonna get back right back to this war at hand when we get back when we when we deal with this it to me it's like there's not enough of an of a payoff for well, what this well, complex you know, well, plan okay, is well being how stubborn how cersei is Maybe there isn't a war maybe jamie takes her out or maybe someone else takes her out but they're not counting on that fight. I'm, I'm not. You don't. Okay, but we don't know that. As an audience, we're just left to we're just left to summarize because she, at this point, she maybe she thinks that she can take out the White Walkers by herself. At that point, she she is very arrogant right now. We see that she's arrogant right now. So maybe she's thinking, okay, well, like even, even if she's a White Walker alive, she'll be like, okay, well, we can take them out no problem, and that'll be a case for Jamie to get because Jamie right now, Jamie right now is logistically saying we need to accept this armistice whatever the hell they're giving us to buy us time. Cause right now 
we're losing. Yeah, but I'm not even, I'm not, yeah, I'm not even talking about it from Cersei's point of view. I'm talking about it from John Daenerys, Tyrion's point of view of this plan doesn't make sense. Because they're not counting on Cersei saying all that and Jaime being like, yo, we got, no, I'm going to kill you. And like, they're not counting on that. That's not what they're thinking right now. They're counting on, they're counting on Cersei listening. I know, but like I'm saying, they'll just have to get back to the war in the end. So that's why it's just... I, I just don't think that this plan makes much sense. That's that's what I'm saying. And that's if why if they can settle if they can settle if they it doesn't if they can settle the score after the big war to come after because it doesn't because like like Davo said in the in episode I believe it was three it doesn't matter who sits on the Iron Throne right now. It doesn't like that's not that's not the biggest thing right now. The biggest thing is all of us fighting together um, and heading north. And we, 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 and we saw that in the end. I mean, everybody, and I even saw inside the episode, everybody has a reason to hate each other in, in the last scene. Everybody does. Mm-hmm. But they're there working together to ultimately defeat the enemy. They can squabble whatever the hell they have left after they're done fighting, after they're done fighting the White Walkers. It doesn't matter. It doesn't. Yes, they're going to have to go back to squabbling. That's how it's going to be. I mean, I get it. Clearly. Just, I, I just still think but, that I mean, the plan is too complex. I mean, I'll give you that. The plan is complex. I mean, it's difficult. I mean, how are they supposed to catch a White Walker? And then bring it back. And then bring it back. And then get Jamie to agree to show it to Cersei. It's like, this is just, there's so many different levels to this. And to me, it just feels like they needed a reason for Tyrion to go to King's Landing with Davos so Davos can get Gendry. And they needed a reason for Jon to go back north. So there was just like, oh, he's gonna capture a White Walker to show. John, to, no, they gave what? no. They they already have. They already gave John a reason to go back north. It was because the walkers were walking these march. That's his main reason for going. His main reason for going isn't to get a freaking. I mean, yes, it's one no, of his purposes. No, that no, that is that's, the purpose. Because if it was, if it was to defend Eastwatch, then he would be going back to Winterfell to get his army and march it to Eastwatch. I feel like that's Jorah's. That's Jorah's ultimate mission is to go back and catch one. Then what's John doing there? If John was really preparing to defend Eastwatch, then he would, like I said, go to Winterfell, get his army, and then march to Eastwatch to defend it. That it to, for him to go in there by himself, it's not like he's saying, okay, we're going to kill all the White Walkers in there. No, he's going in there for the purpose of catching this thing. That's why I'm like, he already had a reason to go north. That You're right, he did. But now he's going to Eastwatch? What, like, what's the plan here? Just to get this chicken White Walker so that maybe Cersei helps them? I, to, that's why, I, I don't know. I just, I, I feel like the writers are kind of, like I said, it's like they needed this to happen, so they did this. And it's like, okay, cool. You know, I mean, you know I'm going to love it next episode when we get crazy White Walker, White Walker action. But right now, this reason for all this happening doesn't work for me. It doesn't click. Um... But it is what it is. We've kind of talked about the majority of different places. We talked about King's Landing a little bit. Um, do you want to let you want to talk about Old Town because we had a very very big um, piece of information revealed to the audience? But Sam is an idiot. You want to talk about that? Um, I don't think Sam is an idiot. I feel like people need to relax um, because I've even said this on a YouTube channel. How was Sam supposed to know? Sam Sam does not have the information that Bran has. He doesn't. Like, you know, his main focus is on the White Walkers. Now, I get it. Us as an audience, we're like, dude! But he doesn't have the information that we as an audience and Bran has. 
So you can't call him stupid. You can't. To me, that's that's like that. That to me pisses me off. Everybody was like, so he's so stupid. I know it's frustrating. <laughs> I was frustrated too, but I'm not gonna go ahead and call him stupid. That's oh, messed man. up. I'm like, I can't call somebody stupid because they don't know the information. I, but he could have put it together. Sam's smart enough, and, and maybe no, no Sam, maybe this is how, just giving him too much credit. That I'm like, he could figure it out. He's smart enough. He could be I like, wait, giving, giving him way too much. Credit I know. Maybe nobody, it is. Nobody else knows about but I Lyanna, guess I'm, yeah about Lyanna than Brand. Nobody. You know what I'm saying? Like you can't call him stupid. I mean, he he could just be like, oh, okay, whatever. Rhaegar had another wife. It's stupid. Whatever. Like it's not important right now. I'm not focusing on that right now. Like, yeah, but I mean, what if what if, if you were in, in the text, if you were in his shoes? Yeah, if you were in his shoes and you were stressed out about trying to get more information about White Walkers and how to defeat them, and then your girlfriend just brings up some random marriage about some guy that lived like 30 years ago, would you care? No, I know I wouldn't care. I'd be like, dude, the stuff I'm talking, like, I don't care about that right now. I'm trying to get these, trying to save the world right now from White Walkers with like a bunch of other people. Like it's not the, yeah, I'm not on that right now i I know i get i get it but it's just frustrating especially for me because this is a prediction i've had since the end of last season that sam was gonna find something that makes john legitimate and it's official now john is legally john targaryen yeah and i completely agree with you i mean i was i was excited for you because like technically he did find it i mean technically it was gilly but okay sam but um (laughs) technically Yeah, and maybe and uh, my theory is my theory is maybe they even maybe she even brought it with her. Maybe that, she that's what interested. I'm really hoping. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean maybe I mean maybe she brought it with uh, her and stuff like that. Because you know you did see that he took a lot of books with with them. Yeah. Um, but again, I mean it just I'm not necessarily mad at Sam. I mean yes, am I frustrated? Of course I am. But I'm not frustrated with his character. Yeah. He, you you can't be you can't be he did he didn't know. Yeah, and it's just more frustration than anything. But I, I, it's just, I guess I'm calling him stupid because I'm believing too much in his in intellect. So it's like, it's an oxymoron in a sense. But it is what it is. I'm just like, no, you are right there. Oh, man, it's so frustrating. But that that was such a great little drop. Because that, that's the, it's the best moment in the episode, like, period. I, I To me, it's like, he, Sam was right there. And it's like everything that this show has ever done. It's like... Oh, come on. We're right there. It's like Arya being right outside the Red Wedding, you know? It's like, so close, but no, no cigar. <laughs> it kind of sucks. But um, I guess let's talk a little bit more about Dragonstone because, like you said, um, you know, we, we get all this discussion about this plan, and we won't go into that again because we already talked about it. But I think the bigger moment, well, there's two big moments. There's number one. John pets the dragon, and Daenerys is clearly impressed. <laughs> He's like, whoa. Um, he, number one, has the courage to do this, and number two, the dragon is letting him do it, which um, we know probably why from what we got, what we just discussed. Um, and then Jorah returns. So what did you think about all this stuff at Dragonstone? Um, I thought all this stuff at Dragonstone was really, really interesting. I mean, look, man, if a dragon goes up to you and you just stand there and you don't run away, I gotta give it to you, man. You got you got some serious balls, <laughs> some serious balls. Yeah. And John clearly has some serious balls. I mean, he just he was he basically took out his hand. And he was like, okay, just you can sniff it. Don't bite my hand off, please. And it was really it was really great to see him petting the dragon. Um, you can really see that he, you know, he's he's not trying to kill it or anything. He does find he does respect the animal at the end of the day. He does. Mm-hmm find it um really cool honestly because you know he's never seen dragons before until now so 
Yeah, I mean, I really liked it, and then I really liked how Daenerys... I don't know why Daenerys didn't initially get off the dragon. So I was thinking... I was thinking maybe she was trying to get him to bend the knee that way. Maybe. But as soon as she saw him petting the, the dragon, she was... She she had different thoughts, you know. Mm-hmm. She's she's never seen someone like this, and especially when you go into the council meeting. Um, well, before we even go back into that thing, Jorah returning. Yes, you can tell John was hella, hella jealous <laughs> when when Jorah was started started hugging Daenerys. I thought they were gonna actually kiss from how close they were. I was like, what? Daenerys and okay, like, <laughs> but um, I thought it was really interesting seeing all this stuff, all that stuff going to fruition. I mean, Jorah coming back, um, it was nice to see him come back. I miss Jorah kind of doing the action, action stuff. It was really cool. I really did like the re- the reunion between Daenerys and Jorah. Yeah, it was, it was pretty great. Sad. Um, even though John was jealous at that hug, <laughs> I was like, I want a hug. I don't know if he was jealous, but. <laughs> Um, he looked, he looked jealous, Carlos. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, um, and yeah. then, and then, clearly, you can tell that she cares for John. I I read this on YouTube, and mm-hmm. I started dying. I told Enrique about this, right? Um, you can clearly she, see that that she mm-hmm. cares for John more than Tyrion and more than Jorah by her facial reaction. Because when Jorah says he'll go get a White Walker, she says she doesn't say anything. She just looks at him. She goes, whatever. Tyrion says he's going to go to King's Landing and risk his life. She she looks annoyed at the fact he even suggested that. But she's like, okay, whatever. As soon as Jon says that he's going to go back north, mm-hmm. she she objects immediately. And yeah. I heard someone on YouTube go, damn, I can't believe that Daenerys cares about Jon more than Jorah, House of Friends zone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was yeah. great. But, um, yeah, I mean, for those of you guys who don't think that Take care for one another. Come on now. John's directly looking into her eyes when he said it, and she's she looks really upset about it. <laughs> all right. Well, let's talk about um, because before Daenerys even gets back, we're kind of jumping all over her place in time, but it, that's all right. Um, we have everything that happens on the Rosewood after the battle of what's it called? The Battle of the Train or something like that. I don't remember what it's called. Um, but yeah, we have all this stuff that happens. Jamie and Braun. This is one of those situations where I'm like, this is what I was talking about when I'm like, nobody. There, there's no stakes. Jamie and Braun not only survive the where they jump into the water, but they manage to in armor swim all the way down the river away from the battle. And then not only that, but both Randall and Dickon Tarly survived the battle. I'm like, okay, <laughs> that that was one of those situations for me, but. We get all this, um, and then this is where a, the, a lot of discussion on this episode is coming. There's a lot of people saying that, and this, to be fair, this is something Niall has been saying for a while, um, who's on, what, last episode, I believe? Two episodes ago? Yeah, last. Two yeah. episodes ago. Um, but this is something he's been saying for a while. Daener- people are saying that Daenerys is a villain now. To me, I, I don't think she is. I, I think she's doing what we've been rooting for her to be doing the entire time. So it's all about like, this is what, to me, it's baffling that people are saying this because, all right, obviously she says, bend the knee or die to all these soldiers. And then the two Tarleys, um, Randall and Dickon both say no. And then she kills them with the dragon. Um, and then everyone else bends the knee. 
So people are like, oh, she's a villain now. She's not giving people a choice. Um, She's killing people who disagree with her and blah, 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 blah. This is what we've been rooting for. To me, this is so baffling that people are saying this. It's like, we've been rooting for this for five seasons. We want her to come over and take the Seven Kingdoms. How did you think that was going to happen? Do you think everyone was just going to be like, oh, Daenerys, we love you, blah, 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 blah. No, people were going to fight her. There was going to be war. There were going to be people who disagree with her and that she has to kill. It's, this is, this is this world that we are, that this show is taking place in. I don't get why people are saying she's a villain. It's like we're holding her to the same moral standard that we live in on our world. (laughs) I'm sorry, but this is a completely different world. In this world, she is being a conqueror right now. And she's trying to do as little conquering as possible, but she still has to do some or else she's never going to take the Seven Kingdoms. I don't get this whole Daenerys is the villain thing that people are saying now. Yeah, I mean, they're trying to compare it to, like, the Mad King and everything. It's ridiculous. Um, I mean, and you see that with, with Tyrion and Varys kind of saying, look, I mean, you need to get her to listen to you because we don't want her ending up like her father. To that, I agree with because I do think that she needs to be reasonable. But because, um, you know, you do see Varys exchange dialogue with with Varys. Um he was just like, yeah, you know, he used to do that all the time. And I used to say to myself, I didn't do it. Uh, I didn't do it. And you, I do think that's really interesting dialogue that the both of them have there. But but the Mad King did it for but, fun. Daenerys has a purpose. That, that's, to exact, me, that's the and difference. That's, yeah, yeah, and, that's, and that's, well, that's what I was about to get to. Like, she yeah. does have a purpose, and she did give them a choice. I mean, I agree with you in every point of the word that you just said. Look, I mean, I don't think she's necessarily a villain because she has to take over. And she's going up against Cersei. Like, whether you guys like it or not, there's killing in war. Yeah. And at the end of the day, she did give them a choice. She said, okay, follow me or die. They chose death. And Dickon was stupid. His dad he even was. told him, yeah. don't, his dad even told him, don't do it. Bend the knee. And he, he went up with his father. I wouldn't have gone up. I wouldn't have gone up. My dad called me Dickon. I ain't going up there. I'm going to bend the knee. That's yeah. messed up. But that's just me. Um, honestly, I would have, I would have bent me because no, yeah, <laughs> sorry, just, but I mean, there's just, that to me was when people say that she's turning into a villain, I, I a hundred percent agree with you. That's, that's absolutely ridiculous. Uh-huh. And this, like, are you going to, are you going to call like when, when the wildlings and, and John was fighting, are you calling them both villains? No, <laughs> they're, they're both fighting for survival. Like it, it's, it's a thing that that's, it's in that world. So. Yeah. It, to me, that's just ridiculous. Um, all right. Well, let's talk about King's Landing a little bit. We've already talked about it. We talked about um, Jamie and Tyrion's kind of reunion a little bit. Um, I guess the big thing here was, uh, I mean, they kind of, they definitely telegraphed it in the episode. Like, we were like, okay, we know why Davos is going back to King's Landing. And then they show Gendry. And I was like, okay, cool. Gendry's back. And then he has a great moment on Number one, he has a great moment where he's like, I don't use a sword. And then he pulls out this freaking hammer and he kills two guards with him. And he's just like, okay, I'm all for Gendry. And then he has a moment with John in Dragonstone where they're like, hey, our, bro- our fathers fought together. Yeah, they're friends. And then it's basically like automatically they're best friends. And they're like, you know what? We're going to pick this off where pick this up where our fathers left off. And it's such a great moment. And. I really am happy. I, w- I wasn't expecting to love the fact that Gendry is back because he, he was just like, an oh, whatever. I didn't love him as a character as much as some people did. But 
man, I'm happy Gendry's back now that I've seen what he's become. Yeah, and you do get a little bit of um, you do get a little bit of a of Ned and Robert back yeah. in season one. I mean, exactly. you do get that feel when uh, when when John says something to him, and then when Grenley says, "Well, you look shorter than you are," and then they both just look at each other, and then they both just start smiling at each other. I mean, you do get that that kind of feel from Robert and Ned. Which is pretty sweet, pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can definitely tell that uh, he's that Gendry is his name is going to be a an asset to the team. It's it's interesting. He does have his father's kind of wrath. So let's see how that goes in the end form. Um, let's wait. Let's talk about the one thing with Cersei. I do want to talk about is that Cersei is pregnant. I was in complete shock. Yeah. I was like, aren't you only supposed to have three kids? I that's I this kid is not gonna live, number one. It's just not gonna happen. Number two, my prediction at this point, as soon as I found out she's pregnant, is that she's gonna die in childbirth. It's gonna be as unceremonious as that Cersei just dies in childbirth. Or maybe Jamie kills her by accident. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. But Who knows, man? um yeah, I to me this is nothing but bad news for Cersei, which is fine with me. I don't I don't mind it. Um, but yeah, Cersei, sorry, but that kid's not going to make it. We, cause we might not have the actual prophecy of the Valonqar in the show, but one prophecy we did get was that you're going to have three kids and hate to tell you, but this is kid number four. So something's not gonna, something's not gonna end well here. I feel bad for the kid. Yeah. <laughs> the kid, like, I don't even know him, but I feel bad. Like, yeah, so bad. Um, one last thing to talk yeah. about. Let's talk about Arya and Sansa yes. at Winterfell. They both have a bit of dialogue here. I wanted to know your perspective on this. Who do you agree with in this particular um, argument? Do you agree with Sansa or do you agree with Arya? Um, I I mean, I agree with Arya because I think Arya is reading her sister. She's like, okay, you're, you are defending Jon right now to an extent, but you clearly, this is deep down inside. And I think Sansa knows it something that she is excited about. Um, and Sansa knows it. That's why I think it's interesting. And that's why I think that discussion is just, it was really fascinating. Um, because they're both being intelligent. It's intelligent dialogue, but then Arya is clearly reading Sansa more than Sansa is reading Arya and understanding Arya. Um, and then we get this whole thing with, uh, Littlefinger and, this is a case of Arya underestimating Littlefinger and thinking that she is still the most clever and smartest person in the room. And she's clearly not. Littlefinger is outsmarting her, and he is pitting them against each other. And Littlefinger is... I mean, I I know people hate Cersei, and I hate Cersei too. But Littlefinger is my least favorite character in the... I mean, not. I don't want to say least favorite character, but I hate him the most of anybody. And I think he needs to die. He's the most annoying character, and I just feel like I want Littlefinger to die and get out of the way because right now he's just messing things up. Yeah, he really is annoying, but getting back to that topic of Arya and Sansa, yeah. I I kind of agree with Sansa and I kind of agree with Arya. Yeah. Because um, Arya was talking about chopping heads off. I was like, yo, relax. <laughs> um, we, can't be, we can't be doing that. <laughs> Sansa was like, yeah, you know, we can't do that because we need people to work together. I was like, Thank you, and then Son- and then Arya was bringing up the fact that um, they were talking all this junk about John and everything. You can clearly tell that Arya is loyal to John in this scene. Like she's still 
loves John with all her heart. Like so, you you can definitely see that she will die for John. She will do anything to protect John's well being, and she will do whatever it. Basically, she will go to the extremes to make sure that by the time John comes back, he's still um, king of the north. So that is what I respect about Arya. And I do. Everybody was talking about Sansa kind of portraying John. I didn't believe it at first, but after Arya was reading reading her, I was like, I don't know, I don't know, because it just seems it, it seems kind of fishy. So yeah. I did like that. Um, as for Littlefinger and Arya, damn man, uh this is Arya's kind of first loss, but you can definitely tell that she's on to Littlefinger. So it's really great to see that someone's actually doing something about Littlefinger. Um, but and I hope that she catches her her mistakes quick or else he will kill her. So I hope that that all gets settled. Yeah, I'm I'm really nervous about this whole Littlefinger thing. I I want Littlefinger to just get caught and killed because I Man, I just, I need him out of the way. He's really annoying. All right, but that is our discussion on Game of Thrones Season 7, Episode 5, Eastwatch. Um, yeah, it's it was a good episode. Well, I mean, not my favorite, but it was still, like, it's a Game of Thrones episode. So not the best Game of Thrones episode. It's still a good episode of television, you know? Um, but yeah, uh, do you have a recommendation real quick or no? Um, Captain Fantastic. All right. Uh, definitely watch that movie. Viggo Morrison, Warnington, I don't know his name. I'm sorry if I butchered your name, man. But he got an Oscar. So, uh, he didn't get an Oscar. He got nominated for an Oscar. I yep. think it was a great film. Uh, a little bit better than uh, better than the, the Glass Castle. So if you want to watch a movie that's similar to The Glass Castle, definitely check out Captain Fantastic. Um, my recommendation is some huge news that we got yesterday that's going to save me and Ozzy a lot of money. And we'll probably end up saving a lot of more people money. Movie Pass has, a, if you have listened to this podcast for any stretch of time, you know that Movie Pass is a monthly subscription thing. You pay a certain amount a month and you get to watch a movie every day in the theater if you want to. You can go and every calendar day you can go see a movie. Well, it used to be $40 a month for medium sized cities, right? You pay 40 bucks a month and you can see unlimited movies. Well, they just dropped their prices universally to $9.99 a month. So you're paying for one movie and you get to see unlimited movies in the theater. It is a heck of a deal. It's because they just sold their company and I guess they want to get more um, customers. So they're dropping it to $9.99 and it's guaranteed for 20 or no, it's guaranteed for 12 months, I believe. So that's crazy. Get movie pass. I highly recommend it. Ozzy and I both use it a lot, but even if you're only seeing like two movies a month, well, that's already a great deal because you're only paying for one with Movie Pass, so I highly recommend it. Yeah, man, get on that, guys. All right, Ozzy, you want to sign All us right, up? Carlos, where can people find you on social media? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Cherry four five six, and of course, make make sure you follow us on social media, all at Screenfellows, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, the website as well. Brianna is doing great stuff over there too. All righty, and you guys can find me at Twitter at CastroOzzy.com. at CastroOzzy, sorry. Got my email mixed up in there somehow. Um, and you can also find and you guys if you guys have any topics or any recommendations, any top ten video guys, any top ten videos you want us to do, please feel free. Can you email me at Ozzy.castro at screenfuzz.com. Guys, we hope you enjoyed the show. Please feel free to listen and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. Please write and review the podcast on iTunes and Google Play. Also, check us out on YouTube. This is Screenfuzz.